MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts i'm saleha mosin and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from beautiful, sunny Southern California, where uh, I do believe, I do believe, that uh, most of the sports world will will head to in the coming days with the ESPYs right around the corner. Major League Baseball All-Star Game, of course, starters announced earlier today. We have a World Cup champion. It is France, and the French have been the, the John Calipari of, uh, of soccer with all the recruiting they've been doing with so many foreign-born players that have, uh, that have immigrated to France. We'll get to that upcoming. Soccer guy. Quick note to soccer guy. Time for you guys to go away for about three and a half more years. Soccer guy. Listen to me, soccer guy. You can argue with me all you want about our best and our brightest not playing soccer. But you're wrong. Okay, You're just wrong. The best athletes in our country don't play soccer. And if they did, we would dominate soccer. It's just sheer numbers. That's it. The Croatia thing was an amazing series of upsets. They have a very good team. And look, I don't know enough about super high level soccer, to be honest, whether that that was a handball that led to the PK, which allowed uh, France to take a two one lead. I don't I'm not going to sit here and argue back and forth about about the nuance of when you call a handball and when you don't call a handball. What I will tell you is the Mbappe kid is great. 
a spectacular star who shined the brightest here late in the World Cup. He's 19 years old. He's the first teenager to score in a World Cup final since Pelé. By the way, we call him Pele here because we mispronounce everything. You know why? Because we're Americans. And because we're Americans, our best athletes don't play soccer. And if they did, we would kick everybody's ass. Uh, you can argue with me all you want, but if if uh, Tyreek Hill, Hill played soccer from a young age, he would be better than Mbappe or as good. No, he wouldn't. There's skill. There's fine-tuning. There's belief in... Right, because our best athletes, our best athletes don't have great spatial awareness, like a like a great point guard, Kyrie Irving, a Russell Russell Westbrook wouldn't be a great soccer player, seeing as he's a freak athlete vertically. He's six foot two, so he's bigger, he's stronger, he's great laterally, he's incredibly competitive, and occasionally does see the court. No, he wouldn't. He's smart enough to get into UCLA, but he's not smart enough to play soccer. Soccer guys are so smart, they're absolute imbeciles. And they make everybody upset. You don't ever talk about our sport. Then we do. And you're like, I don't like how you talk about our sport because you don't know enough about our sport. That's because nobody truly cares about your sport except for during the World Cup, to which we really care. And now we're like, cool, we'll care. Hopefully in four years, we'll be in the damn thing. And if we can't make it when they expand the field, we should stop playing soccer. I mean, really, that's what happened, right? Italy and America don't get into like, man, we got to open the field up. That's what would happen if, you know, we're not Carolina or Duke or something. But that's what would happen. In the, that's what happened in the NCAA tournament. That's why they expanded that bad boy. Soccer guy. Soccer guy's mad because I've stated repeatedly that the day in which our best and brightest have access to and start playing soccer at a young age, and it's not a white suburban rich kid sport, then we will dominate internationally. You know why? Because we dominate everything else internationally that our best and brightest play, period. Because we have the most diverse and greatest depth of athletes anywhere in the world. And when it's a clean sport and we compete in it, we win it. You can argue with me, but all I have is factual data to support it. You don't know enough about soccer. You're right. I don't. But I know enough about athletics to know that in, in 95% of the high schools in America, the elite level athletes play football and basketball. And then, I mean, it's one of the things that, one of the reasons that athletes like Mike Trout and Bryce Harper, that would be good football players, decent, solid basketball players, Aaron Judge stick out so much on a on a baseball field. Why? Because the best athletes don't play baseball anymore. And when they do, they're awesome. So soccer guy, we loved your sport. France was awesome. It was really cool. It was weird to see Russia and people cheering for Russia. That whole thing was odd. It was like, wait, am I cheering for Russia because they're the underdog? Congrats. Time for you to go back and take a nap and start telling me about you can tweet away on Saturdays about international soccer and about the MLS. All right. Now, let's get to football. Where Le'Veon Bell has 53 minutes? 53 minutes to sign on the line that is dotted. This from Jason LaCampora, who joins us weekly during the NFL season for CBS, from CBS Sports. Uh, the Steelers are making every effort to sign Le'Veon Bell and remain willing to pay him more than any running back has made in the league for quite some time. But then again, as noted, that's the same mindset they had a year ago when the pro bowler backed out just before the deadline and opted not to sign the contract. Talks have remained amicable and productive. And there is some hope that a deal get done by four o'clock Eastern time. Again, that is 52 minutes and change from right now. Le'Veon Bell can sign a franchise tag or he can sign a long-term deal. Le'Veon is 26 years old. He's been remarkably productive. And he has also missed games because of suspension, missed games because of injury. So he has, he has two choices. His first choice is to sign the franchise tag, uh, which would be at about $11.8 million or to sign a long-term contract reportedly turned down a five-year deal that averaged $12 million a season 
with $30 million guaranteed over the first two years. Like Le'Veon Bell wants us to feel bad for him. He wants to tell us that he's worth more than running backs will make because he's more than a running back. He catches the ball, he blocks, he runs the football, but he's arguing against the salary structures of every running back in the National Football League. It's a position that has been devalued even if he's more valuable with the Steelers than other running backs would be elsewhere. This is the Jimmy Graham argument, and it didn't work with Jimmy Graham, and it ain't going to work with Le'Veon Bell. So you can sit here and tell me, no, I should get more, I should get more, I should get more, but the, the market sets the number. And the market says you're not worth 16 or $17 million. Nobody's making that. Even if you take out the fact that he's missed games because of injury, playoff games because of injury, even if you make, take out the fact that he's missed games because of suspension, you take those two things out, that's fine. You can take them out and just go, hey, if he was perfectly healthy at 26 years old, is he worth more than the going rate for running backs? And the answer is no. The answer is no. That though there are some tremendous running backs like, like Todd Gurley and maybe Saquon Barkley that have been taken in the first round, there's an equal number of guys that have been taken in rounds three, four, five. There's just as many teams that are successful in running back by committee as there are running back uh, with with a lead dog running back. Matter of fact, more so with a running back by committee. Go back and look. Philadelphia Eagles, they have a star making $12, $13 million a year running back? They do not. Not that I'm aware of. The New England Patriots, how often do they have to be successful without a star running back? Matter of fact, Deion Lewis is gone from last year. They turn, they cycle those things over. You know why? Because they know you age, you go stale, and you get expensive, so you get gone. So the Steelers are still truthfully willing to commit to a longer term at more money than they want to. And Le'Veon's not. And we're supposed to feel bad about this. We're supposed to feel like this is just another case of the man keeping the running back down. But the truth is, like, you're, you're an asset that does not have the value you used to have in this league, even if you're super valuable to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I could make the argument that Pittsburgh uses him more than others would even know how to use him. That they've, they've found a way in which they can use him in a variety of ways. And there's some talk, Adam Schefter said earlier today on Sirius uh, uh, NFL radio, that he might, might sit out half the season. Take a listen to what Schefter had to say earlier today. I think if they don't get a deal done, the most important thing for Le'Veon Bell is to preserve his health and make sure he's healthy heading into the 2019 free agent market. I think it's possible that Le'Veon Bell skips the first half of the year. I'm not telling you he'll do that, but I can tell you this, he'll, he'll certainly think about it. His big goal this year is to, honestly to get to the 2019 free agent market healthy. It's not to get 400 touches, get more tread on the tire, wear down, risk injury. Before you get your big payday, it's just not. Yeah, that is um, that. That's an agent talking through Schefter. That, that's all that is. If if you think it increases your value to be a year older at running back, to play half of a season, plus you'll play playoffs likely with the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're still going to take a beating. And oh yeah, by the way, you miss half the season. You miss training camp. You're likely to have you're more likely to have a soft tissue injury. You're not wishing any injury on anybody, but the numbers stand up. The holding out work for Emmett Smith. He famously held out one year, and it was a disaster without them. And it may work for Le'Veon Bell. But if you have a good contract in front of you, and you've already been franchise tagged last year, to which you've earned upwards of eleven million dollars guarantee. Like at some point, the game of chicken is up and you just got to sign the deal. NFL players have argued for, I don't know how many years, about needing guaranteed contracts. It's such a red herring. This is a guaranteed contract that he's been offered. $30 million in guarantee. Sure, it says five years. You don't want five years? You say, I just want to sign for two plus years or whatever. I'm sure that would be adjusted. You probably wouldn't get 30 guaranteed because they wouldn't have you under contract for five years afterwards, but you'd still get a completely guaranteed contract. But guys don't want that. At at or above market value, the Steelers are offering a fair deal. 
And if not, sign the franchise tag and hope somebody else offers you a more fair deal next year. But not playing, frankly, is silly and goes opposite to what uh, what anyone would believe would drive up your price in the coming off season next year. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Love my guy, Rick Buecher, senior writer, Bleach Report, covering the NBA, also host of his own show on Sirius XM NBA Radio. He joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio, and he played soccer in college. Huh? Huh? Buecher, <laughs> I have long contended that... Um, Look, I, I know there are other issues with our soccer program, yeah. but I watch the level of athleticism on some of these yeah. teams, and yeah. I watch NFL football, college football, college basketball, and I'm a, just a, a normal human being that realizes that at a lot of there's either not access to expensive or just not the desire to play uh, at a young age um, in in diverse parts of our country. Our our yeah. best athletes are not playing soccer. Is is that too is that too outsider ish to to point to the, the the one of the reasons we're not as competitive as we should be in soccer? No, not at all. And it's I mean it, it's not the only reason, but it certainly is a big reason. I mean, just when you watch Mbappe at, at nineteen, you know, I mean, how many other guys have we seen in other sports uh, in 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 the U.S. who have that speed? And he really that's the difference. I mean. He's got some great moves, but more than anything, he just turns a corner <laughs> and and he creates angles that that uh, that give him a huge advantage uh, simply because of of how athletic he is. So, yeah, there's there's some things about our program and the way we teach the game. I think the the level of creativity is not there. We've, we've become very systematic uh, in the way we teach the game, and I think there has to be that that playground element. This is the one time that I will vouch for. AAU basketball is that it does allow a certain degree of, or maybe too much, uh, of creativity, and we don't really have that uh, in soccer in this country at the at the highest level. So, um, but yeah, certainly for the athleticism that we have in this country and the resources that we have in this country, uh, there is no reason that uh, that we shouldn't be a uh, a, a, a power on the world stage. All right, uh, let's let that. That's that's all the soccer talk we're going to have for the that's next fine. four years. I'm good. Rick Buecher joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. LeBron shows up in Vegas wearing some Lakers shorts, dapping yeah. up the Lakers, hugging everybody. It it felt real to me. It felt like all right, this is all right. He's really, it's really and and my and look, I, I do do I think sometimes things are fake? Sure. I just kind of sure. think this is a hey man. I, 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 we're a team. Other guys have shown up to watch their teams. This is me mm-hmm. showing up to watch my team. I, I thought there was, I bought what he was selling yesterday. Did you? Uh, sure. I thought it was, as with most things with LeBron, a little over the top. Did he have to wear Lakers shorts? Did he have to wear Lakers shorts with Lakers emblazoned across the crotch? I thought that that, uh, <laughs> I couldn't help but feel like, that was some kind of a message to Dan Gilbert. Uh, that said, he showed up. You know, I, 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 I was looking at when, I, when he showed up, I immediately thought, and I couldn't recall. Uh, I go to summer league every year. I don't stay this late generally. I go to stay, stay the first three, four days because that's when the picks play, uh, and generally they get shut down the longer it goes on, and, and the, the games just become, become wearisome because players get uh, just worn down. But – all that said, I wondered, you know, how many times has he shown up before at summer league? And I checked with somebody with the uh, with the Cavs, and they said, yeah, he's 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 been out to watch us. He, he had done that previously. Last summer, he came out and he watched Lonzo. That was the story: is that he came out to watch Lonzo. So maybe that uh, that should have been taken as a uh, a harbinger of what we uh, we eventually saw happen. Uh, all that said, no, I, I I do believe that he feels vested in the Lakers, and uh, and showing up and knowing all, who all the players are. I mean, it, it is what LeBron does. There, uh, for anybody who's, who who wants to criticize LeBron, there are elements that are fair to criticize. But one of the things that he is intimately involved in, uh, whichever team is he playing playing for, is he's 
um, he's intimately involved in, in, in knowing who the players are. He may not know their background. He may not be involved with them personally, but he knows who they are as players. And so this didn't surprise me. Rick Bucher from Bleach Report joining us. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. All right, some other league news, which is interesting. Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler does not sign an extension. Now, yeah. um, there's financial intelligence to it, to which if he waits, he can sign a bigger deal. Or there's the growing thought that mm-hmm. he doesn't like what's going on there. Um, yeah. They got two young guys that are a little bit different and that he doesn't buy into. And that yeah. Jimmy Butler wants to be either L.A. or New York after next offseason, what do you think? I've heard those. I've heard those same very things, and I heard them before he actually when he first got to Minnesota. When he was dealt to Minnesota by the Chicago Bulls, I was told this is a stop. It's not a destination, and that being in Minnesota, being in that market, actually playing for Tom Thibodeau again, even though Tibbs made him. Uh, into the star that he is, gave him the uh, the authority and the and the and the, and the role uh, that made him into the star that he is. That he wasn't uh, enthralled with that because he knows all that comes with playing for Tibbs. But I, I don't I, I don't think that this is just uh, I'm just making a fine. This isn't Kyrie Irving in Boston saying, "Hey, it doesn't make any sense for me to sign an extension now." Uh, we'll talk about that when we get there. That one has a different feel to me. This one is, no, I'm not signing because I'm not planning, planning on staying here long term. Rick Buecher joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, where, where, where is San Antonio with their decision as to where to send him or, or if to keep him next season? Well, my, what I've been told is that you know, they come into this thing in new territory. They've never had a player who has expressed the desire, the outright desire to leave San Antonio, particularly one who is uh, the, the nucleus and, and a cornerstone. Um, so they are now, they're looking for one of two things. And, and the first is still kind of hard for me to believe, but that they still hold out hope that they can convince him to stay and continue the relationship. And the second is that if we are going to trade him, we want as close to uh, the requisite amount of talent, equal talent coming back and not just in a young player and building blocks, but they want a legitimate player in the mix. And so ultimately I believe that they're going to get to the point where they're, they're going to have to accept maybe a little less than what they're hoping for. Uh, But uh, the idea that he's going to stay, I just, I don't see that happening. Um, you know, when it comes to Philadelphia and Toronto, who are the teams that are most often discussed outside of the Lakers, uh, I, 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 I do think it's possible that he could go to one of those two. And the reason is because there are connections between the Spurs and those two and people in those organizations that would give them a comfort level that, uh, that neither the Spurs nor the receiving team would otherwise have. Rick Buecher from Bleach Report joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. All right, so we still don't really have clarity as to where Kawhi will play next year. We do yeah. know LeBron will be a Laker. Let's bring it back around to LeBron and the Lakers. Now that people have seen some of their young players develop, and I know Lonzo had, uh, had his knee scoped. He's supposed to be back mm-hmm. for training camp. What's now the thought of the Laker plan part one? If, if this is what they're going to roll with, are other yeah. NBA people laughing are they what's 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 their reaction to what they've decided to do in LA? Uh, well, the, they understand the plan, which is we're signing a bunch of guys to one-year deals, and because we're just really it, it's year one, we got LeBron. It's a little bit like getting Westbrook to re-sign in Oklahoma City. We got the biggest job done. The rest of it is. Don't screw up our ability to hit another home run next summer. What this, this, this season essentially is just to get through it. Develop the young guys, get through it. I don't see any way, anyhow, that they make a deal for Kawhi Leonard now. I don't think they want to give up assets. Uh, they can take another year to see which pieces fit. 
they still haven't seen Brandon Ingram play, uh, essentially, with, uh, with this group. So get an opportunity to, to do that. But the feeling is, even when it comes to LeBron, this is kind of a year off. The whole idea that he's still chasing a title this year, nobody sees that as being in the cards. Everybody understands that this, what I think the Magic is now saying, it's a three-year process. Uh, it, it's year one. They got one building block in place. They're going to make sure that when they get to next summer that they can add a second one. Trusting the process in Los Angeles. Rick Buecher. <laughs> That's pretty from, much uh, it. From, from Bleach Report with a little soccer mixed in. Buke, great stuff. Thanks for joining us. You got it, Doug. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Okay, so Ben McAdoo had this to say Monday morning in America, Peter King's new column. Right or wrong, I'm at peace with how I handled the decision to play quarterbacks other than Eli Manning down the stretch last season. I was not ending Eli's career with the Giants. I was making sure we knew what we had behind him with a high draft choice prior to the big quarterback draft. I gave him the option to start games to keep his streak alive. I understand why he said no. He was a true pro about it. My bedside manner hurt me that week. I'm working on that. I do think it was special how his former teammates and fans rallied around him that week. But if there's one thing I want Giants fans to know that I made this call to try and make the Giants stronger for the future, it probably got me fired, but I believe I did the right thing for the right reasons. And I agree with him. When we go back and we try and realize, like, look, they weren't winning any games. They were better off losing more games. And remember, McAdoo, when, when he says you wouldn't lose your starting job, like they wanted to get Davis Webb up and playing. They started Geno Smith because Eli forced their hand. That's really what happened. That's really what happened. And, and Eli is one of these guys that he's going to go down at, well, he's going to go down, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. He won two Super Bowls. And he's going to go down in the, as the victim in this deal when the truth is he was kind of the opposite. Sure, McAdoo's, like he said, his bedside manner, how he handled it, what, how he said what he said could have been better. I, look, I, I was a lot more curt about it. I thought they should have traded Eli mid-year to Jacksonville to play for Tom Coughlin. But in the did he win or did he lose, he lost his job, so I guess he loses that battle. But he'll lose the war if... And only if Eli Manning suddenly has a resurgence this year. Right? Eli Manning bounces back this year and is great. Well, now he lost the war. But he's right if if Eli continues to struggle and they have all their guys back. Well, now all of a sudden Ben McAdoo was right. Like he didn't it wasn't his decision to bench Eli Manning. It was Eli Manning's decision to bench Eli Manning. It was like NFL is like Giants fans, Giants media, former Giants. They all lost their collective mind because they all, all of a sudden thought that the streak was somehow representative of them when it was really about Eli. The, the, the greatest thing Eli has done is be incredibly selfish in a deflecting way to which it feels like he's not selfish. Oh, you don't want to start me? You don't want to finish me? Well, I won't start. I'll just lose my streak. That's fine. I'll just lose my streak. It, it, you know what it is? It's fake martyrdom. There are people that will talk about the things they do and like all the sacrifice they make and how difficult things are for them. And they, they want you to go, man, that, that's awful. They don't appreciate you. They don't respect you. You should walk from that job. Martyrdom. That's what Eli Manning did. He did the martyr thing. He said, you know, listen, if you, if you don't want me to finish the game, then I guess you just shouldn't start me. You know, I know I've been starting all these different years, but if you don't want me to, you want me to finish, well, then what's the point of starting? So I guess I just won't start. He did the martyr thing and it worked. 
Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Rogers had this to say, I'd love to play until I'm 40. I just think that number means a lot. Obviously, Tom Brady is kind of rewriting the book. Brett, Brett still had a good season when he turned 40. My goal is to be able to move like I do and, and or close or close to how I do and still be able to do that at 40 just because nobody's been able to do that and still move around the same way. Steve Young's career got cut short in his late 30s. John Elway the same. He didn't really move the same when he was younger. So to be able to move the same way, 38, 39, 40 would be cool. That's my aim. He disagrees with the, t- the take that he's got to get rid of the ball quicker, take fewer hits. I tried to already. I've played football since I was 13 years old. I've taken two shots where I couldn't wriggle free and broken my collarbone twice. I feel pretty good about the way I play, avoiding some major stuff. I've had a couple muscle pulls. But other than that, as a starter, I've been pretty healthy. Two hits. First time was in 13 against Chicago. I didn't see the guy. Second time was last year, Anthony Barr hit him outside the pocket. I didn't think he was going to hit me maybe as hard as he did. But he did, and that's what happened. So then the question becomes um, his contract. Now, he has two years left on a five-year, $110 million deal. Quote, it's only been on my mind because people have been writing and talking about it a lot. There have been many conversations about it. I think there's some merit to looking into where you do a non-traditional contractual agreement. And if anybody at this point is able to get to do something like that, I think it needs to be a conversation about. I've never said anything about trying uh, tying the contract to the cap. I just think there's ways to do contracts. We can still be competitive. The team is happy about it, but you have some freedom. He said, and this is, he'd like to play his entire career in Green Bay, but I think in my time here, I realize no one's above the team. They can trade Brett Favre and Jordy Nelson. They cannot re-sign Charles Woodson or Julius Peppers. They can make decisions that are in the best interest of the team. It could be me at some point. You have to be humble enough to realize that, and I do. I'd love to be able to. How many guys actually pick the way and team in which they go out? You know, hardly anybody. My dream situation would be to stay in Green Bay. All right, let me just tell you what I my take in summation. Um, I do think that he not only wants to play till he's 40, he wants to be able to move till he's 40. I do think that he would like to stay in Green Bay and wants to rework his contract. And that's a smart way of saying it. A non-traditional agreement. What is that? I think that I, my guess would be that he's thinking more in line of, of what LeBron James has been doing in basketball. You know, football players, a lot of them love basketball, not just basketball contracts, but basketball in general and signing a short term deal, which allows freedom, flexibility, the chance to move, if you're no longer wanted or whatever, like all of that stuff is enticing to those guys. But NFL teams want those longer contracts for a guy like Rogers, because even if we're going to cut you, we want to be able to own your rights. So we don't have to, if we don't want to. But my biggest takeaway is still mad about Jordy Nelson. Still mad. Right. And if you're in a relationship I don't know if guys do this. Women do this all the time. You say something nice about a woman. She looked nice today. Four months later, your wife's cooking dinner. It turns out a little bit burned. You had said something four months previous about Susie. Wait, Susie looks nice today. She serves you dinner. You say, oh, honey, it's kind of burned. Well, why don't you ask Susie to cook for you? She's still pissed. Right? There was that time when you came in just completely blitzed to her Thanksgiving dinner. This is 20 years ago. She's still mad. That's what Aaron Rodgers is doing. Aaron Rodgers is still mad. He, like, look, he's like, they can trade Brett Favre. Okay, Brett Favre is an iconic Green Bay Packer. A first ballot Hall of Famer. Matter of fact, he was, even though he was persona non grata because he ended his career in Minnesota, he was still in the ring of honor or walk of fame or whatever they call it in green Bay before he was in the pro football hall of fame. I mean, he's Brett Favre longest 
uh, starting streak in the history of football. And oh yeah, by the way, won two Super Bowls and a couple of MVPs. Charles Woodson, though not a lifer as a Packer, also a first ballot Hall of Famer. Julius Peppers, probably a Hall of Famer. Jordy Nelson. Now look, Jordy Nelson, some of it is recency bias that he and Julius Peppers were the most recent to be bid adieu. But I think a good part of it is he's, you know, he's trying to talk in big terms about how it's not might not be his choice to remain, but this is his way of getting a little dig in and going like, hey, cut Jordy. I, I haven't forgotten you cut Jordy. It's the kind of thing where a guy will have a drop in the in early in the season and be like, well, you know, Jordy Nelson wouldn't have dropped that. That's the kind that's what it feels like here. Aaron Rodgers only making $22 million on average, less than quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins, 28 per, all guaranteed. Matt Ryan, 30 per. Rodgers, to me, is the best quarterback I've seen throw football. Best I've ever seen. If you check every box of what you have to do, competitive, smart, tough, able to throw multiple uh, arm angles, moves his feet, can throw in the pocket, can throw out of the pocket, Rodgers is that guy. But he's a little bit too smart for his own good sometimes, right? He's like, look, what about a creative contract? You start saying creative contract and people will think you're trying to get over on them. Just is. How do they know that? Because most creative contracts are just that. It's it's like the old adjustable rate mortgage. Oh, don't worry. You can afford that house. We got a creative mortgage plan for you. See, you'll pay interest only the first five years and then... You know, you can refinance or the interest, it'll go up and you'll start have to pay principal and interest after that. That's what happened last time around, right? People were making $40,000 living in $350,000, $400,000 homes and they were paying almost nothing in interest only when they had to start paying some principal and they had to refinance or the loan went up, you know, two percentage points a year. And end of the day, they end up paying 8 9% when other people are paying 3%, plus they're having to pay principal and the payments are just too much. People think creative contracts and they assume you're trying to get over on them. Mostly because you are. <laughs> so, look, look I, I just, I think Aaron Rodgers wants to play for the Packers. I think the Packers have swallowed hard and made some unpopular moves this offseason. I genuinely think it it makes them better in the long term, maybe even in the short term. But I think in the process, they piss some people off like Aaron Rodgers. He's mad about Jordy Nelson. Otherwise, why would you throw Jordy Nelson's name in there? Yes, Ryan Music. After all this talk about Aaron Rodgers and his contract, and as you just said, trying to get creative to see you know different ways to get money and whatever... Aaron Rodgers, we always talk about how great he is, even though he only has one Super Bowl. If he had to choose one or the other, getting the most money possible or taking a bit off the table in order to spread that out to hopefully get better players and win more titles, which do you think he cares more about at this point in his career? Hmm. Uh, I would say he, I mean, he, his argument would probably be you can do both if you're smart about it, right? You can do short-term deals. You build some trust. You'd put it in a signing bonus, and it doesn't hurt you against the cap nearly as much. I would say he'd say, but um, I do think that winning a second Super Bowl completely elevates you to a completely different level uh, in terms of your legacy. So I would guess winning another Super Bowl. Now, look, there's a balance there. Would I do it for less? Sure, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to do it for less than what I make now. Would I do it for less than $35 million, which is what I'm worth? Okay. Would I do it for less than $25 million? Probably not. That's not smart. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Jeff Passan joins us. Uh, he could probably name every Major League Baseball player. He's a Major League Baseball columnist for Yahoo Sports. Check out his Yahoo Sports Major League Baseball podcast. It's awesome. He hosts and features some of the biggest names around the league in baseball. Uh, Jeff, th- there seems to be renewed vigor with the Machado trade talk. At least that's what Twitter says. What does Jeff Passon say? It's almost like, and I wrote this earlier this week, it's almost like the Orioles have this sense of urgency that teams think they're going to pull the trigger 
within the next 24 hours, and then it just slows down to a grind. And look, Manny Machado's moving. He has to move because the Orioles are going to get a whole lot more in return than they would if they held on to him, gave him the qualifying offer, and got like the 31st pick in the draft this year, which is what the alternate the alternative is. So he's going somewhere. I just don't know if it's going to be Los Angeles or Milwaukee or Philadelphia. Those seem to be the three favorites at this point. They're the teams that have the greatest need, that can offer the most in return. But he will be moving. I just don't know if it's an imminent thing at this point. And, and okay, if you don't know if it's an imminent thing, can you give me a one, two, three, like – Two weeks ago, all of a sudden, Arizona hopped into it. The Dodgers sure. have been in the hunt. There's others that are reportedly in the hunt. If you had to give a most likely to third most likely destination, where would it be? You know, I keep hearing, it's interesting. You ask different people uh, and different groups of people, and they say different things. You know, general managers around the game tend to think that it's going to be Milwaukee because the Brewers have arguably the best talent that they can ship back two Baltimore Orioles in terms of major league ready players. But you also think that Philadelphia with a guy like Adonis Medina, you know, a hard throwing right-hander could be in there or, or the Dodgers And the question with the Dodgers is more, are they willing to give up talent a year after going and getting you Darvish for Willie Calhoun and a couple other prospects? Are they going to make the same type of trade where they give up a uh, Yusniel Diaz or Dustin May or Gavin Lux? And I think there's, there's hesitancy from people in thinking that the Dodgers are willing to give up that premium talent that the Orioles want in return and, frankly, deserve in return because Manny Machado is one of the best players in baseball. Seattle's lost four in a row. They get swept, swept, swept by the Rockies in interleague. But their team, their run differential is actually minus two for the year. This despite yes, the is. fact that they're 58-39. and 39. So anyone who follows baseball would say, well, that'll eventually, the record will eventually even out if their run differential remains the same. Really good teams do what Houston does to you, where they just beat you to a pulp. Is that yep. what we're seeing here at the end of the first half, regression towards the mean? A hundred percent. And I've been waiting more than half the season for it. And, I, you know, I go on the radio in Seattle uh, every couple of weeks, and they call me the wet blanket. Because I keep saying that I'm waiting for the Mariners to show their true colors. And I think we saw it toward the end of the first half. But the fact is, Doug, those 19 games over 500 that they've got right now, those are in the bank, man. Like, they're, they're not going to lose those. And so they're in a great position going forward. Even though after, you know, 97 games, uh, they, or rather, after 97 games, they've got 58 wins. If they go 500 over the rest of the season, that's a 90-win team. And that's a team that probably is going to make the playoffs. But Oakland is only four games behind them at this point, and the A's are playing really good baseball. And so I think that uh, I think Seattle is in a good position, but I still think that they need to strengthen themselves. They are getting Robinson Cano back, but the question of where he's going to play is a big one. They're keeping D. Gordon at second base. So is Cano going to play first base? Is he going to shift over and play some DH, which would force Nelson Cruz into the field, which you know – Scott Service, the manager there, doesn't want to do, and Nelson Cruz himself doesn't want to do either. There are a lot of questions with the Mariners going forward. Yeah, there are a lot of questions. Uh, I have a question for you. Mookie Betts or Mike Trout, who's had a more impressive first half season? I, and I ask you that because I know that you, you baseball guys, you don't believe in lineup protection. But, I mean, I saw a stat where Mike Trout has, has, has made more plate appearances with nobody on than anyone else in baseball. I mean, yeah. look, Upton's a nice player, but Pujols is, I mean, you know, Pujols is, he's on base less than 30% of the time. He's a shell of his former self. I just, yep. like, this is a dude that's got to do it all on his own, as opposed to Mookie Betts, who, you know, he's got J.D. Martinez, who might well also be the AL MVP, hitting behind him, a couple spots behind him. Who's been more impressive in the first half of the season to you? Well, it's interesting because you saw toward the end of the first half, the Angels had Trout hitting third, and they moved Andrews and Simmons, who's had a great first half, up to the number two spot in the lineup. And I think that was a good thing to get guys on base for Mike Trout. Uh, and I want to throw Jose Ramirez in the mix there. If you look just at wins above replacement, and I know that that's a flawed metric, but it, it tries to capture a guy's overall contributions offensively, defensively, and running. And Jose Ramirez is right on Mike Trout's heels. So the three of them uh, are having historically good seasons. I still think that Trout is the first-half MVP in the American League. 
I'm the guy who thinks that you give the MVP to the best player, not the best player on the best team. If you're looking in that regard, uh, then I think Betts and Ramirez both have excellent cases. Betts missed a couple of weeks, but his numbers have been otherworldly this year. And he's just a fun baseball player to watch, man. And, and getting to see him, Trout, and Judge in the same outfield in the All-Star game tomorrow is going to be a pretty cool thing because we're seeing these guys at the absolute height of their powers. And it's something to behold. Uh, okay, did, was it Mike Mathi- is it Mike Matheny's fault that the St. Louis Cardinals have dropped off the last couple of years? I think you can certainly blame Mike Matheny for some of it. The culture there in St. Louis has not been good. The players have not been on board with their manager. And, look, all of us know that when you have a boss who either you don't respect or don't believe in his vision, you might not work as hard for him. Now, I'm not saying that the Cardinals slacked off by any means, but it makes things far more difficult. And when you have that environment in which you want to play for the manager, in which you want to do something great, not just for your own sake, not just for your teammates' sake, but to make him happy, that's a lot more conducive to winning than what the Cardinals have. And I think the, the fact that they're a 500 team is reflective not just of their talent, but of their attitude toward their leader. What, what pitching did the Yankees go out and get? Well, there's not a whole lot. I mean, that's the issue. Do you really feel like going and getting Jay Happ is going to be the, the difference maker? I almost wonder if the Yankees can look internally and see Justice Sheffield, who's pitched very well in the minor leagues. You know, they got him the Andrew Miller deal a couple of years ago from the Indians, and if he's going to be the solution as much as anybody else, because right now there isn't somebody you can put alongside Luis Severino and say this guy is going to be a huge contributor for us down the stretch and somebody in whom we believe to help us win playoff games. The the Yankees' bullpen is really their strength and their core, in addition to, you know, a home run hitting bonanza of a lineup. And if the Yankees are going to compete with the Astros and the Red Sox, it's going to be because of the lineup and the pen, not because of their starters. Uh, what happens with Jacob deGrom? I mean, like, look, uh, you know, the Mets, you can build around him or you can move. What, what happens with Jacob deGrom? Does he remain a Met the remainder of the season? Well, I think a lot of that depends on the Mets' ability to negotiate a contract extension with him. And his agent, Brody Van Wagenen, essentially said that today. You know, Jacob has expressed interest in staying with the Mets and signing long-term with them. And if not, he'd like to be traded. And it wasn't, you know, he, he went out of his way to say this is not a trade request, but more a sense of where he is and what his feelings are on the situation. And I understand that. If you're the Mets, though, it's difficult when you have him and Noah Syndergaard to get rid of either of those guys. And, and you know, if you're going to do that, you might as well just rebuild all the way. And, and that's a tough pill to swallow for a team that's got Michael Conforto and got Brandon Nemo and got guys who have talent and who have the ability to be good major league players in the core of a contending team. The question is, are the Mets willing to go out and spend the money that they need to supplement them and spend it intelligently? Because they have spent money, but that money that they spent this offseason on Todd Frazier, on Jay Bruce, and on Anthony Swarzak is swirling down a toilet in Queens somewhere right now. All right, uh, the Washington Nationals, what happens with them second half of the season? You know, they, they had a players-only meeting, <coughs> and they, they saw some good out of it, but now they're stuck at 500. You know, the, Scherzer's going tomorrow in the All-Star game. He's, his, he's, he's one of the few guys that lives up to that contract. Uh, no doubt. C- call it for me. What happens second half of the season? I think the Nationals are going to turn things around, and I say that out of, of no grand knowledge that I have of something changing there. I just see how much talent is on that roster. Let's just go around the diamond, Doug. Third base, Anthony Rendon, all-star caliber player. Shortstop, Trey Turner, all-star. Second base, Daniel Murphy, a guy who's been one of the best hitters in baseball for the last couple of years. Uh, You know, first base, they can rotate among Adams and Reynolds. Uh, You know, they've got uh, Ryan Zimmerman in there, too. In the outfield, Juan Soto may win Rookie of the Year in the National League. Bryce Harper. I mean, there's just talent. Adam Eaton, there's talent everywhere, up and down that roster, and they're under 500. And it boggles my mind. I, I have asked more people here, how is this team under 500? And they just all shake their heads, and nobody has a good answer to it. And that's the most frustrating part of the national season, that there's so much talent on that team, and they still stink. Yep. Yep. No, we talk about it all the time. You, you nailed it. Great stuff, Jeff. Jeff, enjoy, uh, enjoy the home run derby, although... 
Start a home run derby is better than the end. End a home run derby is like, let's just get this thing over with. Of course, tomorrow's <laughs> going to be a great day. Download his podcast. It's Yahoo Sports MLB Podcast with Jeff Passan. Features some of the biggest names from around the world in baseball. Follow him on Twitter and read his work in Yahoo Sports. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Pleasure as always, mine, Doug. Take it easy, buddy. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.